This time on episode 387 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger. It's what if season one, episode one, and your weekly Marvel news. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm the show producer, Director SP. I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm Consultant Jason. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, August 12th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Europe-wide in 1943 via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Gentlemen, happy National Vinyl Record Day. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't either. Everything is a thing. Yeah, if you take a look at the history (laughs) here, it was started in 1877. No kidding? Well, it was the day that Thomas Edison invented the phonograph. Okay, I was about to say, that seems early. I know there's again, this is the national day calendar.com. And I think they're taking a little bit of kickbacks on different things to promote different industries. And I think this is one of them. So, yeah. Do either of you own any vinyl records or a turntable? I have one of those turntables with the CD player built in and the cassette player built in. Uh, I don't think I've ever used the cassette player because why would I? But right around the time I got that, I also made sure that I got the, it's either six or eight record Hendrix uh, fuzzy purple box set. So I do own a couple of vinyls. I don't actually own a player. I haven't found one that I, I really like yet. And I don't really listen to vinyl. I just kind of collect a, a few bands, but that's about it. A couple of Christmases ago, the kids got me one of those newer turntable things that, you know, are holiday novelty things. But for the record, what did they get me? They got me Gardens of the Galaxy, the mixtape on vinyl. So I thought it was appropriate. It wasn't a tape, but it was vinyl. So I played it a few times. It's sat relatively unused for a couple of years now, but I have it. So there you go. All right, with that, let's move on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. If you'd like to talk to us about What If or anything Marvel Cinematic Universe related, you can come to our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. We have a Facebook page, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. There is a Twitter account that's largely the best way to get a hold of us, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of course, there's the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash geek, and you can listen to us on your Amazon device. Just enable the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill, and you can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord, which is where I communicate with both Jason and Chris. 
And by the way, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GuineaGeek.com network. First of all, Jason, very glad to have you come back at the last second. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thanks for losing this latest bet. You really need to get that gambling problem under control, but I appreciate you having me on. I am in some Skillshare poker classes, so maybe I'll get a little bit better there. By the way, Jason, tell everybody where they can find you. So they can find me over at the uh, Creative Brain Candy Network. We have several podcasts over there. I am on Smoking and Drinking in Space, which is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi, as well as Smoking and Drinking in Capes, which is a superhero podcast, but that's uh, actually run by one of my co-hosts, Rob. It's always good to be in a podcast where you don't produce it, you don't edit it. I like that. That's well done. Well done. Yes. Absolutely. And of course, Chris, tell everybody where they can find you and what your history is. Y'all can find me over at Play Comics, where I grab a guest. And for normal episodes, we look at video games based on comics and how well they represent that source material. Unfortunately, there's not really a game to connect with this episode of What If. But there's all kinds of fun things. So, Yeah, there's lots of fun things. We'll get into the episode of What If in a second. But I just wanted to make sure that we all have some cred when we're talking Marvel Comics in general, and then Marvel Comics specifically, I have been podcasting on Marvel since 2013. Not that I'm an expert, I'm more of a fan, but I've been doing that, and everybody else has a podcast on comics, so I think we're good, guys. We might know what we're talking about here. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I could fake it. Yeah, exactly. So with that in mind, let's get into this premiere episode of What If? What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? This is season one, episode one, premiered on Disney Plus August 11th, 2021. The description on IMDb reads, when Steve Rogers is seriously injured, Peggy Carter becomes the world's first super soldier. The episode was directed by Brian Andrews. He has three directing credits, which go back to 1999, including three episodes of Men in Black, the series, five episodes of Jackie Chan Adventures, and then One episode of 1F, also a storyboard artist with a total of 41 credits and a writer with a total of nine credits. So Brian has some cred there. They had writer for the series and definitely this episode. Also the creator and showrunner. I haven't heard the showrunner label for him yet, but it's AC Bradley. Obviously in my book would be the showrunner. Anyway, he has five director or five writing credits starting in 2005, including an episode of Arrow, which I podcasted on over on the Starling Tribune, 28 episodes of Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, and 38 episodes of Three Below, Tales of Arcadia. I have not seen either of those. Did either of you watch Troll Hunters or Three Below? No. No, never heard of it. There are actually a couple really good series. It's a Netflix original. Guillermo del Toro is involved in it as well, but it's not a super horror thing. But it's definitely something you should check out. It's about a kid who is just kind of wandering around on his way to school and finds an amulet that makes him the troll hunter. So then he go hangs out with trolls and tries to help them defeat bad trolls. And then there's aliens and uh, medieval Arthurian knights. Okay. So there's your advocacy for it, which you can find at Netflix, which I think most people still have, but maybe some people turn it off to turn something else on these days for a month. I don't know. 
Anyway, for the cast, the voiceover talent for this episode of What If includes Jeffrey Wright as The Watcher. Those of you out there might have seen Jeffrey Wright in Westworld, The Hunger Games, and the newer James Bond films, starting with Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. He played Felix over there. And Haley Atwell, who I had to scratch my head on where I'd seen her before. She was in a couple episodes of Doctor Who, the newer Doctor Who, as well as she's going to be in the upcoming Mission Impossible 6 and 7. So I think that's really where I know Haley Atwell from the best. Chris, what do you think? Is that where you think Haley Atwell, that comes to mind there? I've pretty much only seen her in Marvel-related things. Hmm. Well, I've watched Doctor Who, so I've probably seen her over there, but I would agree. She's Peggy Carter, has been Peggy Carter for a long time. Josh Keaton, who voiced the skinny Steve Rogers, has a literal ton of video game and animation voiceover titles, enough to cover the entire state of Texas. That's how many he has in his IMDb credits. But he was in Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, and Boy Meets World as well. So, I mean... That's some cred right there, right? Yeah. I'm fuzzy on who he is off those shows. I didn't even know there was an actor that was in both of those shows. So I, I, I still can't picture him. Yeah, he play, it was only in a couple episodes. He, he oh, was okay. a, a okay. cast regular, whatever. And then Samuel L. Jackson, who you might know from films like Pulp Fiction, Coming to America, Jurassic Park, Die Hard with a Vengeance. The Long Kiss Goodnight. I know Jason knows that one. Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3. The Incredible Snakes on a Plane. And Star Wars The Clone Wars. That's where I think of when I think of Samuel L. Jackson. Star Wars? Yeah, he's Mace. He was Mace, but I mean, he's, he's had much more prolific roles than Star Wars. I mean, he was good as Mace. I, I, I liked him as Mace, but I really watched him come up starting in long kiss goodnight and then pulp fiction and that's when i think his career really took off exactly i mean chris you would pick one of those as what you think of the most with samuel L. jackson right i mean star wars would definitely be up there the incredibles would probably be my more number one pick but that might be a recency thing more than anything else the Incredible, he was great in The Incredibles. The voiceover that he did for The Incredibles really showed his voiceover chops. So I, I have to hand it to you there. That's a good one there. Okay, Jeremy Renner, he was in 28 Weeks Later. So not the original 28 Weeks, but 28 Weeks Later. And then The Hurt Locker. That's where I think of when I think of Jeremy Renner, right? It's, it's nothing else out there that has Jeremy Renner's name on it. The Born Conspiracy. The, the only the one though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just the one that didn't have Matt Damon. Yes, he played. He voiced Clint Barton, Hawkeye there, and Stanley Tucci, who played Doctor Abraham Erskine again. But you might know him from Pelican Brief, Road to Perdition, Made in Manhattan, The Terminal. He was actually great in The Terminal. If you would ever watched that, The Devil Wears Prada again, great there. Julie and Julia. He was in the epic classic film Kit Kittredge, An American Girl, which I will say was a failed attempt at starting a screen IP. The Hunger Games and Transformers. So you might know him from any of that. Actually, Stanley is a really great actor. So really great that he could come back 
and voice Dr. Erskine again, especially since he got killed in the movie. Yeah, Saturday Night Live did a great homage to Stanley Tucci. I can't remember who was hosting that episode, but it was one of their pre-recorded cuts that they do uh, nowadays. And Chris Davidson, or Pete Davidson, not Chris, Pete Davidson was in it along with the host. And they did a really great homage to Stanley Tucci. It was, it was funny and respectful and, and, and really showed how much respect they have for his acting abilities. I'd almost say he was, he could have been Shakespearean trained, but I know he wasn't. But anyway, it's, it was really good that he could take part of this. Dominic Cooper, who voiced Howard Stark, one of the many actors who's played Howard Stark over the years, he might know him from Band of Brothers and that wonderful movie a few years ago, which Jason's going to cover over on his podcast, Smoking and Drinking in Space, Warcraft. You're not. <laughs> That's not sci-fi. It's listed as sci-fi. No way. It is not listed as sci-fi. I don't know. I'm just pulling oh, okay. your leg. So we got to <laughs> get checked after don't that. Don't give me a heart attack like that. Chris, what do you think? Dominic Cooper? I haven't seen either one of those, and I feel like there should be probably a ton of voice actor credits that I would be able to know him from, but I'm just completely blanking out right now. I looked over his IMDb, and actually it's not all that prolific as other actors are but you might know him from something else absolutely i was kind of shocked here i didn't put one in one together that colonel john flynn was voiced by bradley whitford who has been in young guns 2 billy madison i loved him in bicentennial man he played a great kind of mean kid that grew up in bicentennial man the west wing you know him from the west wing after the West Wing, he went on to Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip and most recently on The Handmaid's Tale. So Bradley Whitford being attached to this actually is pretty great. Yeah, it was it was hard to hear, but you could definitely hear his voice through some of the lines that he said. But he did a really good job of not voicing it as Bradley Whitley or Bradley Whitford. Right. So, Chris, did you get a walk and talk out of this? No, this one, we pretty much were like, where do we know that voice from? Because we had just, we'd finished Handmaid's Tale a couple months ago. So it wasn't super fresh in our brain. And then once it hit, it's like, oh yeah, he's just playing, kind of voicing this sort of like his Handmaid's Tale character. It came across really good. And of course, it would have been great having Tommy Lee Jones around, but he wasn't around for this, I guess. And then Ross Marquand. Quan, I believe is how you say his last name, voiced Johann Schmidt, and he was Aaron in The Walking Dead. I didn't place him right away, but did you either of you two watch The Walking Dead? Okay, so I'm talking to the wrong crowd there. <laughs> Neil McDonough, who voiced Dum Dum Dugan, you might know him from Band of Brothers, Desperate Housewives, Justified, oh, such a good show, Justified, he Arrow. Also, Flash in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. He was also in Altered Carmen. Carmen. Altered Carbon. <laughs> Neil McDonough. What a great ability that he has to act. And I'm glad he was attached to this. Chris, what do you think? Neil McDonough? We didn't catch that one at first, which surprises me because he just seems like somebody who pops up everywhere. He just needs to be on my list of people that I'm going to check all the credits for. Yeah, he played Dum Dum Dugan in the actual movie, you know, the also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America, the first Avenger. So he was just reprising his role there. Also, 
Sebastian Stan came and reprised his role as Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, although I don't think he got to be Winter Soldier here. You might know him from Hot Tub Time Machine, The Martian, one of my favorite movies, and as the future Luke Skywalker. Now, has that been confirmed? No, no. He has okay. said he has said actually that he does not feel comfortable taking over the role where Mark Hamill is still there able to act in it. So he's officially said that he's he doesn't feel like it. But if Mark Hamill would turn the reins over to him, he would consider it. I mean, it, it's the typical actor of I'm not going to take another actor's spot. I think it's good for him right. to do that. But yeah, he looks like a young Mark Hamill. So this one was actually surprising because it didn't sound like Sebastian Stan. I was I was surprised to read the credits and and see that it was actually him. Who knows? It could have been over Skype or something with a bad microphone. We don't know anything about that, do we? As podcasters. <laughs> right. Right, Chris. Not at all. <laughs> Toby Jones reprised his role as Zola. You might also know him from Harry Potter and Harry Potter the Chamber of Secrets, Deathly Hallows Part One. And I was thinking, what was he in Harry Potter? Do you guys know? Do you guys know what character he was in Harry Potter? Never seen him. He voiced Dolby. Okay. So I'm not talking to Harry Potter fans at all. <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to watch those movies because my wife hates them compared to the books. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I've read the books too. He was also in the Hunger Games as well. Uh, Daryl Hammond, he played the Nazi general, uh, just a brief scene, really. He was in Blues Brothers 2000, and Isaac Robin Smith played Brick, and he has some voiceover stuff, including Voltron, Legendary Defender. So really, the cast of this was a mix of established people and then some new people to bring in to fill the voiceover casting, but I don't think it really mattered. So let's talk about that. Does the voiceover really matter? in marvel animation i can see an argument for wanting to have the same actors do their their animated characters but the voice talent out there is so good that a lot of times you can get a voice actor that sounds remarkably like the the real life actor that portrayed that character i don't think it's as as important to get the the actual i mean barring you know the Bradley Whitford versus Samuel or uh, Tommy Lee Jones swap. I mean, that was, that was pretty jarring, but, but Bradley Whitford did a, a, a really good job with that character. So I, I don't know that it's as important for the, the animated series to have the same actor. So for Chris, for you, I'm going to flip the question a little bit because you're more of a video game guy. Does the actual actor have to come in and voice the character in a video game or can you get away with another voice actor? I think you could definitely get away with a, a different voice actor. And honestly, I think a lot of times getting a different actor is a better move anyway, because voice acting is so different from just regular, I hate to say it that way, but you know, acting when you're in person doing stuff where everybody can see you. Like Sebastian Stan in this, honestly, I thought he sounded like an early PS1 voiceover, which was a real big jump away from everybody else who I thought did a really good job. Yeah, Sebastian Stan actually had some voiceover credits on his IMDb. I can't remember all off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I was kind of surprised about that. One thing I want to talk about before we get into the comic background here is the pre-roll. As we ended Loki, and we've all watched Loki, right? They're nodding their heads. 
Oh, yes, yes definitely. Yes, Sorry. Yes, this is yes. an audio medium. <laughs> That's right. This is podcasting. Not <laughs> Yeah, we're podcasting here. So if you're watching Loki and the last episode of Loki, it had a definitively different Marvel pre-roll in it. And now with what if we're back to the standard Marvel pre-roll. I don't know if this is a continuity thing, if we're going to get that changed over time, or if they're really saying that even though it's possible with the multiverse now, this is all not exactly canon. I think that really is something that we need to discuss going into this based on the pre-roll alone. So Chris, what do you think about that? The pre-roll being the same that you would have got in Endgame, not the last one that we got with Loki. I'm really trying not to read too much into that. Part of that is because I don't want to sit here and guess everything that's going to happen. I just want to experience it. But I think sometimes they're just going to go in there and, yeah, we just want to try something different. It didn't work. Let's go back to the old way. Okay. Jason? So which part of the pre-roll are you talking about? The part where the Marvel comes up and like it turned tinted green and gold for Loki? Well, no. Okay. So that's a good point because it did, but the very last one was completely different. It was more along the lines of like the multiverse and, and the the fact that it, do you not remember that very last (laughs) pre-roll? Honestly, at that point I was probably skipping through the Uh, pre-roll to get to the start. So that's a good point. Then if you haven't gone back and watched Loki episode six, the pre-roll for that, you probably should because it definitely gave a break within the MCU from what the pre-roll used to be. And you're right. It it did. They did change it to the green pre-roll. I don't know if it was episode one or episode two, but they did change it. So you're right about that. But the last episode, episode six, they changed it again. Well, it was, it, it was episode one because it, it came up with a Marvel. They would tint it green and gold to represent the Loki colors. They kind of did the same thing with one division especially on the part where I think it was episode eight where, well, I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, it's been months, but anyways, episode eight, they did kind of a a rendition of that, but this wasn't exactly the same pre-roll either because whenever the Marvel came up, you could see like a comic background in the Marvel studios part. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which was different. Yeah. Okay, so talking about the comic background, Chris, you're our comic expert on this podcast for tonight, and you had tried to do some research into what if. So tell everybody what you found out and what applied and what didn't. Well, I think the two most important things that I found were there is not a direct what if issue that this episode is referencing. So There's not a storyline that they have to go stick to for everybody who's going to sit there and say, oh, this didn't follow the comics. You know, they get to kind of go off on that. But the other thing is it is kind of, at least I saw this on the internet. I don't know if I believe it, but kind of loosely-ish based on a five-issue miniseries called Bullet Points, where that one, the entire premise is Uncle Ben died in a war. They don't specify which one, but I'm going to assume World War II just because of how timelines work. And you end up having Steve Rogers become Iron Man, Peter Parker becoming the Hulk, Bruce Banner becoming a Spider-Man. And it's just all kinds of changes because a bullet went in a different spot. 
So it's kind of a what if thing, but it's not officially a what if because I don't think part of that being because it's part of the Marvel Knights imprint. I am curious as to how they're going to start the remaining episodes of what if and if they I think they did it brilliantly with this. They started at a point where most Marvel fans know where you are. You're 1943. You're at the point where they're trying to make an American super soldier. And we all saw it with Captain America, the first Avenger. and. Peggy makes a change. She makes a decision to stay down on the lab, the experiment floor versus going up into the observation booth, which changes everything. And then she becomes the super soldier in the process. She becomes Captain Carter in the process. So I don't know if the future ones are all going to start. I mean, they're only 30 minute episodes, so I would have to think they have to do it early on, but I don't know if they're going to start right away with the change that happens or or what but i think they did a, a really good job for this one itself and i also think they did a really good job with the watcher of course if stan lee was with us wouldn't that be great to get his voiceover as the watcher wouldn't that have been great it really would yeah yeah i think it would have the fun thing too is that the what if comics especially the older ones before they just kind of took uatu out of that you had a page or two of this is kind of what was happening in the normal Marvel storyline. And then here's your thing that changed exactly like the show did here. So you have the same kind of setup and you know that lasted for somewhere north of 50 episodes. The numbers or issues rather, but the numbers escaping me right now. But for a very long time, they were starting the comics and they were just little one shots. So you're using one of your or two of your 24 pages of here's a real quick this is where you are before they just go off the rails well that's good to know and i'll expect that from from now on as well so jeffrey wright of course uh voiced the watcher i have nothing against his portrayal of the watcher absolutely nothing it's just you know stan lee being so iconic and everything and he left us a, a few years ago so there's no way that he could have been part of this project so the tesseract comes in they do a Tesseract heist. Captain Carter goes and steals it. And then Howard Stark makes the first Iron Man suit. And then Steve is able to pilot the Iron Man suit. So a lot of feels went into that. It's like, oh, cool. You know, Steve's not Captain America, but he's now the first Iron Man. So it's it's all really cool and everything. i wondering what's going to happen in the future, because according to the people involved in the show production, we're going to get to Captain Carter in the next season. They're going to do a new season. Spoiler, by the way. So they're going to do a new season and Captain Carter is going to come back in that. I don't know if Steve Rogers is going to be around because this is 70 years and he does not have super soldier serum in him. So I just don't think Steve's going to be around much like Peggy wasn't around for Steve in the MCU. Yeah. I mean, Steve did get to see Peggy on her. She was in the hospital, right? Or, or dying. She was still alive. She was in a memory care unit. Yeah. So she was still alive, but Steve was never in the greatest of health before he was Captain America. So I can't imagine Steve surviving as long as Peggy did in the different circumstances. So Steve not having the super serum to give him extra long life and strength and everything. I think Peggy was a much healthier individual and was able to survive that 70 years. I, I can't see Steve still being alive. So Chris, you're the romantic person out of the three of us. So what did you think about the continued romance between Peggy? I, 
would also maybe say forbidden romance between Peggy and Steve. I really liked it. You know, I liked it in the movies. It wasn't something that totally overpowered the story. Like when these kind of plot lines get shoved into an action movie, like the Marvel movies have been, but you can tell that they're both into each other. They both want something to happen. They both kind of know, you know, I don't want to get hurt. Oh, you're, you're my hero, Steve. And then, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, he said he, I'm his hero too. So, I mean, I just really liked it. Yeah, it was really cool. And in the colonel's phone call with the president, by the way, about Peggy, she's a real knockout, you know, like she's knocking out other people, but you know, she looks amazing. Haley Atwell looks amazing. Right. And then Peggy on the train almost ripped Bucky's arm off, but he didn't. So that's like a, an homage to his accident in the original timeline, but he did not get his arm ripped out. It was all, it was fun watching this. It was very much fun. And it's like, I don't know where the multiverse Dr. Strange is going to go with the multiverse, but I don't really see this going anywhere. So it's, it's literally just fun of what if, and what could have happened. And then just people having fun fanficking it. Really? It, it was, it was fun. Wasn't it Jason? It was. And it, it actually threw me off a little bit because whenever they blew up the train and Steve fell like Bucky did originally, I was totally expecting them to make Steve the winter soldier and have to fight having to fight Captain Carter in the future to see, you know, the two uh, lovebirds having to duke it out. But they went a different direction. They took the Tesseract from Steve and then I guess conjured Cthulhu or something. So I'm really glad that they didn't make Steve the Winter Soldier though. I mean part of the fun for me on what if is just the craziness that can happen. And if all you're doing is kind of swapping characters around, but it's the same story, that's kind of a cheap way to do it. So I'm really glad they didn't go that way. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you there. So this podcast was started about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show back in 2013, and we covered it all the way to the end here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. This had the potential to at least have a S.H.I.E.L.D. reference or maybe even an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference in it. when. They opened up the portal and they were bringing through that squid, which could have been Hive. And I know, Jason, I don't think you watched the entirety of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but they did have a Hive reference in there. So this could have conceivably been Hive, but then they just cut it off. They didn't go that direction at all. And Peggy gets thrown into the future there. I got to say, this is almost confirming to me that Kevin Feige is firm about not including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the MCU canon. And unfortunate for me, that's unfortunate because I thought it was a great show and it had great writing and, and it lasts for a while. It did have its up and downs, but it was a, a good adventure from season one all the way to the end. And I think this just confirmed it. I don't even know if either of you guys have an opinion on that, but I would like for there to be some sort of reference to it. And either this what if or the multiverse would be key times that you could bring in some of the characters and like Agent May. That would be awesome. And I just I don't think we're going to get it. So, Chris, I think you watched it, right? Yeah, we definitely watched through the whole thing. And, you know, once you got past the bus or the week episodes at the beginning, when they kind of had to stay behind the movies that were coming out. 
know, when you got to continued storylines, it was just a really good show for a really long time. And I want them to bring it back somehow into the MCU because you have a ton of good characters that popped up. Right. And Jason, you did not watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? No, I didn't. But my question is, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ran for, what, seven seasons, eight seasons? So how many contradictions in that show would there be if they did bring it in to MCU? I mean, they would, they would, they might have to backtrack a lot of stuff. They might have to kind of alternate, explain a lot of stuff. Maybe it's just not worth the effort. Yeah. They started time traveling, which Ooh. then split the timeline, which is why I say like a, what if, or the multiverse would be perfect to bring that back in. But they, I think Kevin Feige is like, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. I think the the last, I want to say the last direct correlation between the movies and the show, I think was the Thor Dark World tie-in where they went to London to clean up afterwards. That might've been the last one. I might be incorrect on that, but I think that was the last direct relation and it wasn't even direct. It could have happened in a different timeline. It didn't have to be in the MCU. Kind of like the Netflix shows, the Defenders shows, they referenced the MCU, but it didn't have to take place within the MCU. That's another thing that I don't think Kevin Feige is going to canonize. I don't think he's going to canonize the defenders unless he does that in the whole into the spider verse. So we'll see or not into the spider verse. Uh, what's that Spider-Man movie coming out? No way home. No way home. There you go. All right, Chris, what else you got? What, what else did you think about this episode? This episode was just a ton of fun. I'm being completely serious when I say this. I watched it four times yesterday and another like three quarters of the way through today before I had to jump on here because I liked it that much. I mean, a lot of it was because I wanted to make sure I got notes, so I wanted to see things. But it was just a really fun show. I really liked how they didn't have to worry about sticking with canon plot lines. You can just kind of go do your thing. And I like how most everybody was really... just okay with Peggy being the leader, you know, except for General Flint because he was just a butt face. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I really enjoyed kind of the recharacterization of, of General Flynn. I mean, he was he was stern and he was humorless in the movie, but I mean, he had a he had a point. He was more he was a lot more misogynistic, I think, in in this portrayal than than he was in the movie, and and uh, I was that didn't really hit home with me but the rest of the the rest of the episode was fun it was a lot of action i wish they would have made it just a little bit longer maybe a 45 minute episode and explored some of the implications that come with this alternate universe but in 30 minutes i think they packed as much as they could uh, in the time that they had another thing to note is peggy carter was instrumental in the start of shield And with her not being there in the timeline, much less being an agent anymore because she's Captain Carter, I don't know where S.H.I.E.L.D. really is in the future. I know we got Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury at the very end with Hawkeye, but I don't know what the path forward would be. Could S.H.I.E.L.D. have been started without Peggy Carter? Yes, because you still had Howard Stark. You still had uh, Colonel Flynn, General Flynn, whatever. So it's it's still possible that the SSR became S.H.I.E.L.D., but it wouldn't have happened the way that we know it happened in the MCU because she just wasn't there. So, And she was in a lot. She, so I was going through Haley Atwell's filmography, and it reminded me how much that Peggy Carter actually was in 
the MCU. There was the Agent Carter TV show. She was in Ant-Man, you know, when they were de-aging people there. So you also referred to her when Steve Rogers went to go see her in the memory care unit. So she was in a lot that none of that happened, of course. All right, Jason, anything else you got here? No, I mean, this was a this was a really fun first episode. I'm looking forward to seeing what they they have with the rest of of what if I was really looking forward to this series whenever they first announced it at their uh, investors meeting. So I think the animation is is great. Of course, it, it looks exactly like Disney animation and Disney really knows how to animate. So there's no surprise there. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this and seeing where they go. I, I love seeing the characters that we've seen for the last 20 something years in various different timelines and and situations just turning everything on its head it's fun yep lots of fun here well next week we'll be talking here on legends of shield about what if episode two there's no title out there and i don't know which direction they're going i don't know what storyline they're going to do for episode two do either you two know Something with um, T'Challa getting picked up to be Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill. Okay, that is definitely next week. As long as nothing has changed from when I was looking online earlier today and I was seeing accurate information there. So there's that caveat. But other than that, yeah, should be looking at that one next. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that one with T'Challa. That's uh, going to be a fun ride with him as Star-Lord. That's going to be a bit of a tearjerker, though, because that's still got Chadwick Boseman doing the voice. Yeah, I saw that he'd actually voiced that character, and I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. Might be the most impactful one of the season. Maybe even the series. We'll see. All right, that's what we're going to cover next week here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., but until then, we got some news to get to, so we're going to head to that right now. So there was a question that came up on our Discord server about, okay, so what other Disney Plus series are coming up? Because there was an announcement that Hawkeye was scheduled to premiere on November 24th. So everybody's like, okay, so what's coming up? So I did some research and I looked into the actual premiere dates as they stand today on August 12th, 2021 with the pandemic resurging who knows what's going to happen but there's always disney plus to fall back on there's also the legal stuff that we talked about last time with scarlett johansson so who knows what they're going to decide to do with the films but i have compiled the list of everything from front to back and when we get towards the end of the series i don't know exactly where to put them because there's no release date but at least i put them when what i think is their order of their where they're going to appear, maybe not in the order around the TV series. So we're going to start with Chang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. It's scheduled to premiere on September 3rd, 2021. There was also a 30-second teaser trailer that was released in the last two weeks. Jason, did you see that one? I did. I did. It looks fun. I mean, this this is going to be a, a high-action kung fu Marvel film. It looks really good. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? I know nothing about the character, and for once, I want to go into a Marvel movie knowing absolutely nothing, and this might be my best shot. Yeah, I'm not going to do much research into that. I just know the Ten Rings that was alluded to in the Iron Man movies, but that's it. 
That's all I know. Eternals is scheduled to premiere on November 5th, 2021. I think this might be one that I don't know what's going to happen, especially with the pandemic resurging later into the fall plus the lawsuits. So I don't know. But right now, it's scheduled November 5th. Hawkeye is scheduled to come out on Disney Plus November 24th. I don't know if that's related to the movies or not or if it will shift. I don't think it will. Just my opinion right now based on the storylines of the movies around there. So Hawkeye is going to come out November 24th and we're going to get the new Black Widow in there. It's it's just going to be fun, right? So Ms. Marvel is a series on Disney Plus that's supposed to premiere in late 2021. I've seen some thoughts that it's actually going to be moved to 2022 based on COVID production delays, but no date has been announced. So I have no idea if it's going to be December or sometime in 2022. Spider-Man No Way Home, which is not a Disney property, it is a Sony property, is scheduled to premiere on December 17th, 2021. I don't even know. If Sony wanted to do this to streaming, where would they put it? They don't have a streaming service, right? No, I don't think they do. I'm trying to think where. No, they don't. Yeah, so I don't know if they'd make a deal with Prime or Disney Plus or something like that in order to get it out. If it's just going to stream, they might just want to do a theater release, a theatrical release. We'll see. Now, Moon Knight is supposed to premiere in late 2022 on Disney Plus, but no date has been announced. She-Hulk is supposed to premiere in late 2022 on Disney Plus, but no date has been announced. Then we come up with uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That is supposed to premiere on March 25th, 2022. And that, I think, is going to really set off a lot of stuff within Phase 4. I think we're going to build up until we get to that movie, and then it's going to diverge or go along the path that they want it for the rest of Phase 4. That's just my opinion. Secret Invasion is in development for release on Disney+, Plus, but no date has been announced. Ironheart is in development for release on Disney Plus, but no date has been announced. I'm really looking forward to that one personally because I, I read the comics and I'm really into that character. So we'll see what goes on there. And it would be great to get an Iron Man back in the MCU if Tony Stark is really gone. And I think he is. Thor Love and Thunder is supposed to premiere on May 6th, 2022. Armor Wars is in development for release on Disney Plus, but no date has been announced. I Am Groot is in development for release on Disney+, Plus, but no date has been announced. I've heard this is going to be a holiday special, so it might be around the holiday season 2022. We'll see. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot see Groot holding a show on its own. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be centered on Groot, but it's, it's going to be a compilation cast, I think. It's going to be animated, too, from what I saw. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, July 8th, 2022. That's going to be a big one because with Chadwick no longer with us and where they're going to go with the Black Panther universe, we'll see. Echo is in development for release on Disney+. Plus. Now, Echo is a character that we're going to get out of Hawkeye from what I've heard, but no date has been announced on that one. There's an untitled Wakanda series in development for release on Disney Plus, but no date has been announced. I don't know if that's going to be before or after Black Panther. The Marvels is coming out on November 11th, 2022. And then we now know that Loki is going to have a season two at some point. I don't know when that's going to be early 2022, late 2022, sometime in 2023. Who knows? Ant-Man and the Wasp is the next MCU movie that's going to come out 
Quantum Mania on February 17, 2023. That is in the Deadpool time slot there. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be May 5th, 2023. And in some time in the future, no release date, no premiere date has been announced. The Fantastic Four movie is supposed to be coming out. Speculation is later 2023, but we'll see. So you guys square with all of that so far? Yeah, I hadn't heard about Echo, so that's a new one for me. And the Fantastic Four I'd heard about, but they don't even have a cast for that yet. So my question is, who do you want to see as the cast of the new Fantastic Four? So Fantastic Four seems to have a curse around it. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to pull it off this time. So you got the Fantastic Four under Marvel Studios under Disney. So it's a little bit different, but you're right. It does have a hex on it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Emily Blunt, I think she said she is not interested, I think, (laughs) in in that. And I think it's based on the fact that she was just looking at the property versus who owns the property right now. I also think it depends on if Kevin Feige's still in charge then or not, because Kevin Feige leaves and I don't, there's no plans for him to leave, but if he leaves, then I would question any project in the future that he hasn't had his hands on because there's nobody waiting in the wings. There's nobody other than, well, myself that could come in and say, this is what it's going to be. And and I'm just kidding about that. So yeah, I I don't know. Chris, what do you think? Who would be a good cast for the Fantastic Four? I'm really scared to think about that one just because they did such a interesting job casting the other ones. And I I just really have no idea. And it's so far off. Um, I think with Fantastic Four, it would really depend on where they want to start in the storyline because you could get some really unknown people if you want to start at the beginning and just pretend that none of the other Fantastic Four movies happened at all. But if you wanted to just drop them straight into, oh yeah, we were also in the Marvel Universe and we were just always down the street, you never saw us kind of deal, then I think you'd probably want to go for some more established actors. That's a good point. So the way Disney has already dealt with this with Ant-Man is they've done kind of a time shift there where you still have him, you know, the older Pim back in the day, they youngified him on camera, but he's really an old man now. Right. And then you had Scott Lang come on being the young person. And that relationship was always that way in the comics, but Pim and Mr. Fantastic were kind of, he's in a pod with Stark, you know, back in the day. So starting off the Avengers back, back in the the day, they don't have that. So I think from Marvel's perspective, and you guys correct me if I'm off base here, what would really keep the IP going for the next 20 years is you don't associate the eras together. You bring the characters in, but you don't have those relationships in so that you can keep moving the actors forward because we're in an, an entire, I know phase four, but we're in an entirely new phase. We're post end game. And really what they need to do is establish a whole new cadre of Avengers as they move forward to get that culmination at the end of phase six, really. So I think in order to make the billions of dollars that they want to do, I think that's what they got to do. And you guys can correct me if I'm off base. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to establish a new Avengers team as well as probably another team or two to fight the Avengers. I I suspect that they're going to go with, oh, what is that? 
thunder yeah galactica or no 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 the 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 anti or the yeah i i can't think of it right now but it's not important so I, I think they're trying to establish a, a new Avengers team for this next three phases for the the giant overarching storyline that they'll have accumulation of just like they did in game with the Fantastic Four. I mean, you could do a, a back in time kind of like what they did with Captain Marvel to establish, you know, how the Fantastic Four came forward or came about and then move them forward in time. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who would be, I don't know if uh, established actors or, or new actors would be the, the right choice there. But I mean, that's, that's a Feige thing. And, and if Feige ever left the, the MCU, I don't know that the MCU would survive. I'm really fantastic for, for me, it's not somebody that I've read a lot, so I'm not going around just wondering, but I mean, you could really easily kind of have the mcu or sorry the um newer tom holland spider-mans where okay real quick this is your background and now we're just going to go into everything like two minutes later you know just get an opening credits thing and establish who they are but i don't know like if, if you you're right though if you don't have feige then i really hope he's had somebody that he's secretly training yeah and we also have professor xavier and the mutants to deal with as well. It's not just the Fantastic Four. They're not touching that franchise for a long time. No, right. But that would be great to bring in for like phase seven, eight, nine, right? In the future and and have that as being the focus in the future. I think that would set them up uh, monetarily to make the big bucks, which is what they want to do because they're dizzy. They want to make the big bucks, but it all comes down to storytelling. So I don't know. We'll see what's going on. And it does really, I think, Possibly we might see a transformation in how they tell these stories. Like if Disney Plus really does kick off and these short series do better than the films in the future without the pandemic, I mean, that's the way they might pivot. I don't know. So it's all an exciting time when it comes here. Uh, The last news story I want to talk about is we've been following Chloe Bennett. She attached herself to the CW Powerpuff Girls project that was ongoing talking about chloe bennett because she was in agents of shield i question why she attached herself to this that was my aspect of it there i got a bunch of pushback to that so yeah i I get a lot of people are chloe bennett fans and i'm a chloe bennett fan i just question her attachment to a cw project not necessarily powerpuff girls but powerpuff girls on cw well apparently the pilot was produced and it tanked within the internal circles of CW or Warner Brothers or whatever. And then she took an option on her contract to get out. So she is no longer associating herself with the project. The project is going to go on with a second pilot. And I I honestly think this is probably best for Chloe Bennett because I don't see her thriving on the CW. I don't, it's just, I, I podcasted on the CW for the Starling Tribune for many, many years since 2013. And I just didn't see Chloe stardom being at the level of what is on CW right now. That's just my opinion. So I don't know. What, what do you think, Jason? You watched some of those shows too. Yeah, they probably gave her a pretty good sum of money to sign up for the Powerpuff Girls. She might have even read the script and, and liked it. And then whenever they decided to pivot and go away from the script that she signed up for, she just wasn't up for it. 
And she might see some writing on the wall that, you know, maybe this isn't ever going to get produced or that it's not going to get produced right. And so she decided to nope out. I'm just still in shock that they're trying to do a live action Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. If they would kept it animated, you know, get her all day long. I'm all for it. But doing live action with people that are obviously not little kids, that's kind of something you'd have to do a few episodes in and then get a good reason for them to be grown-ups. Honestly, I was thinking in terms of Charmed, which I did not watch the original Charmed. I was aware of it. I didn't watch the original one. But then this new one came out and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it because I know the old one had lore. And then it just turned into the same old CW teen angst drama sort of thing. <laughs> I didn't know they made a new Charmed. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was completely great. Yeah, I enjoyed every second that I watched it until I decided that I would be better with my life by not watching it. But yeah, so I saw this as kind of a Charmed sort of production. And I just I, I had a tr- I had trouble looking into it and i wanted the best for chloe bennett because i think she's at a caliber that is way beyond what cw is i already said that but yeah so that's just my two cents on it so she's no longer attached to the project even if it does happen she's not going to do that she did say the reason that she opted out is she had other commitments i don't have any idea what those commitments are but i would be excited to see her in a new project and who knows maybe kevin feige is bringing quake on into the marvel cinematic universe somehow that would be awesome all right that is it for the news you know guys i think what we should do here is uh we should all get into a metal taco and inject ourselves (laughs) with blue serum and see what happens right sounds like a plan it's gonna go badly for me i just know it I want to say a big thank you again to Jason for coming on at the last minute. I had a lot of things going on today and I had a very short window to communicate with Jason and he, he jumped at the chance to come on, talk about what if. So thank you very much, Jason, for taking the third seat tonight. Anytime. And once again, where can people find you? Over on uh, creativebraincandy.com. Uh, you can listen to me and uh, two other guys flounder around as we try to talk about sci-fi subjects on smoking and drinking in space or superhero movie subjects over on smoking and drinking in capes. And Chris, thank you very much for agreeing to side saddle with me for the entire series of What If. It is going to be fun. I look forward to your comic book research with the future episodes and hopefully we'll get more of a one for one correlation. I'm really looking forward to that. I don't want them to just sit there and say, hey, this is the comic. Now we're going to tell it on TV. But, you know, they could. And I'd still probably enjoy it. And once again, Chris, you are the host of? I am the host of Play Comics, where I'm either grabbing a guest and we talk about video games that are based on comic properties and how well they represent that source material. Or I just grab creatives who are making cool things and talk to them about the cool things that they're making. Always a good thing to talk about cool things. Until next time, I'm producer of the show, Director SP. I'm Consultant Jason. And I'm Consultant Chris. See everybody next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, 
Go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Howdy, partner. Hey, how's it going? Going pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So you guys back to smoking and drinking in space recording? We are. Tomorrow War, I saw that. I need to watch it in order to listen uh, to your stuff. Event Horizon released Wednesday, so yesterday. Might be able to listen to that. And then we did, or we're doing Free Guy this weekend the new movie the new movie well i won't be seeing it until i can stream it after being at a funeral today with nobody masked up and podcast movement with hardly anybody masked up i i'm all done i'm not going to do that again case counts here just going through the roof yeah so you in the fall semester yet or quarter whatever uh Two more weeks. So faculty get together next week uh, and do their and then students start classes the week after that. Okay. Are you a TA for anything or? No, I'm a faculty. I didn't know that. Yeah. What are you teaching? Uh, this year I am teaching intro to computers. I'm teaching six classes, six sections of intro to computers. Like the history of computers or no, it's just how does a computer work? How do you work word and off or Excel? And yeah, it's basically just getting, getting everybody. And this is a required class for computer science and cyber ops students. So it's just making sure that everybody knows how to work a computer and the tools needed to, to get through. And then next, next semester I'll start doing computer science one and moving on from there. And, once I get finished with my comp sci masters, then I can move on to higher level classes. And then once I get my doctorate, then I can teach graduate classes. Okay. Well, all the best conspiracy theories can't be proven, right? That's right. Except for UFOs. <laughs> right. We can prove that thanks to the U.S. Navy. Well, we can prove that something is on their screen. I've been watching from, uh, not from Earth to the Moon. I've been watching um, For All Mankind on Apple TV+. And it's an alternative history about the space race. And the Soviets got to the moon a month before we did. So basically, they got their N1 rocket to work. And they got up there before we did. Which is all plausible. I mean. If the guy who was running the, I can't remember his name, but he was running the Soviet space program 
he had health issues, basically had a bunch of heart attacks and he was in bad health. If he would have been healthy, he could have been better than Von Braun and he could have made that rocket work. So it's all plausible. But then because the moon landing happened, then a bunch of stuff starts to change over time. There's things that happen and things that don't happen. One of the things that changes, and this is not a major plot point, is that Reagan won the 76 election. Or, yeah, 76 election. So Reagan's president from 76 to 84 instead of 80 to 88. And Gary Did Hart, Reagan run in 76? No, he's alternate history, right? So the space, oh, okay. space race starts. Uh, we've got colonies on the moon. Jamestown is the name of the U.S. colony. I forget what the name of the Soviet colony is. And by colony, I mean like a couple of space capsules that are on the lunar surface. And they're mining. They're mining water. They're mining... Uh, Precious metals like lithium to solve power issues, that sort of stuff. And space shuttles. This I, I had a problem objectively watching this at first. Space shuttles can get into lunar orbit. I was like, mm-hmm. mm, no. It, it, no, no. now here's where that actually changes to a yes. If they convert the cargo bay into a giant fuel tank. Fuel tank, yeah. Yeah, they but could. then what's the point? You can't carry anything to the moon. Well, they have supply ships that go up, a lot like the International Space Station with the Cygnus capsules. They have supply in the Soyuz capsules. They have supply ships that run up there. So on man, but supply ships. And the biggest thing is getting people back and forth. And space shuttles are how they're doing that. But they have yet to show a graphic of a space shuttle with the uh, with the bay open with the solar panels out there generating power and i think that's because they're just trying to hide what's in there and say you know hey we've got fuel in there enough to make the ohms burn for a lunar insertion trajectory and and then return trip so it was a little hard to swallow and i have not done the math (laughs) to see if the amount of fuel that they could take up weight wise and volume wise in the shuttle bay could actually get them there or not it's i'm just gonna go with it's plausible does it have to be liquid fuel right in the in the shuttle itself yeah the solid rocket boosters were just solids and once once you light them you can't turn them off they're just going to continue to fire until they're out of fuel but the main shuttle engines were liquid and the um the reaction control system and the ohms engines were liquid so I'm wondering if you could even get the shuttle up into orbit if you filled its cargo bay full of fuel. It could take a lot of mass up. It, you know, it took the Hubble up. It took some really heavy space probes up into it, like Magellan or Galileo went up in the shuttle bay. So, yeah. and But how do those, how do those compare weight-wise to... To, to a, a cargo hold full of kerosene and liquid oxygen. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I also know that there could be in-flight refueling, kind of like what SpaceX is trying to do with Starship and the human landing system right now. So it, it's hard for me to say no. It's just highly improbable. Well, I think there would be better vehicles to do that with, to shuttle people back and forth than the space shuttle. I think that's just purely a... a graphical design decision yeah i i think 
I, I okay, I agree. I, the 2001 situation where you had a national aerospace plane or a space shuttle that took you up into a space station and you used some sort of tug to get to the moon, that seems more plausible to me. But the show is, it's an alternate history, but they're trying to, it's like the Americans on FX. They're trying to give the, the feel for the time periods of the 70s and now the 80s. So I think they just wanted to do that. But there is a next generation shuttle which is being militarized, which I haven't seen on the screen yet. So I think we're going to get some huge divergence here as we go into the later parts of season two and season three. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.